Hey, thanks for listening, guys. I really appreciate that. I'm just going to get right into it. As the title says, I actually caught a cop killer one time, an escaped cop killer convict from Angola State Prison. I know a lot of you guys know me from doing comedy. I've done comedy for 30 years, but there was a point in my life where I was a police officer. I was actually a cop for 10 years, two different cities in two different states. And for most of that time, I was a narcotics agent. But let me tell you how I caught this cop killer. Uh, This is back in the 80s, right? Before they had cell phones, before the internet, before they had all that good stuff. Well, in Louisiana, we call them parishes. We don't call them counties. So the parish where I was working as a cop, they put out in the newspaper that they had a guy. Check this out. This guy would go around. He would drive at night, most of the time from midnight to around 2 in the morning. And he would pull up on the side of like old people driving in their cars. He would target old people driving in their cars and he would pull up on the side of them, point to their engines and tell them their cars on fire and have them pull over. Well, he would get a point, he'd get people to pull over, too. And so here's what he would do. He'd pull them over, tell them pop the hood, their cars on fire and they would do it. And he would take one of the wires off the distributor or whatever and tell them, try it again. And it wouldn't start. And he would tell him, look, I just, you know, I'm a mechanic. I just so happen to have this universal part that I think will fix your car. And, you know, for $20, I'll, you know, I got a receipt from Western Auto for the part. And for $20, I'll fix it for you. Be on your way. And if the people would pay him the money, he would put that wire back and let them go. And if the people would not pay him, he would rob them. So check it out. This guy was doing this. After he escaped from Angola State Prison for killing a cop. So he's out there doing this now. And again, there's no Internet. There's no cell phones. Right. So they put it in the newspaper. Look, if somebody tries to pull you over, don't pull over. Just go straight to the nearest payphone and call the police. So I was working in narcotics at the time. So they came up with the idea that old narcotics agent Mutsi was going to dress up like a girl. And try and try and entice this guy to rob her. So I dressed up like a girl, y'all. And look, if you haven't seen me in person before, look at my picture. <laughs> I was, I'm just telling you, man. I wasn't as fat as I am now, but I'm telling you right now, man. I was the ugliest girl you ever saw in your life. I actually put on a dress. We found a wig that I put on. I'm telling you, man, I put like, I forgot if I had balloons or what I had for my top. I I just remember, here's what I had, though. I remember standing out on the corner. I had one thing. I had a purse, and I had one thing in that purse. I had me a nine millimeter. That's right, at a Glock 9, waiting for that dude to pick me up so I could jack him up. Well, we waited out there, and obviously we had a cool car, which is undercover cops. You know, they parked down the street. They were watching me, and, um... You know, sure enough, a couple people pulled up, but it wasn't him. Check it out, man. A couple people pulled up. A couple guys pulled up to try to pick me up. They thought I was a prostitute to pick me up, and they were willing to do it. <laughs> I had to flag them all, man. I was like, move on. And I made my voice deeper to it. I was like, move on. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, man. So, so check it out. So we never caught him that way, right? And look, by the way, there are some pictures out there. I, I, I probably, you know, I'm in touch with a few of these cops that I work with, and somebody's got to copy these pictures, man. I'm telling you, if I can find them, I'll post them. I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> it's funny, man. But we didn't catch him like that. So here's what happened, right? They put out in the newspaper, and all of a sudden, you know, when you're a cop and you hear this on your on on your um uh, in your radio, gibu gibu gibu, that's an alert tone. That means listen up. This is a hot call, man. This is a good one. Pay attention. So they made that alert tone. Sure enough, hey, we got we got a, a call. Somebody got pulled over by a dude. Said their car was on fire. And they described it as a silver color, looked like a van, looked like a station wagon. They wasn't sure what model it was, right? And they told us where it was. So here's what we did, man. They said, Mutsi, get to the border. Parish line right there, right? So get to the border, man, because he's probably going to be going back. So I was hauling, man. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> I was hauling. I never liked to drive fast. I never, ever liked to drive fast. Even when I was a teenager, I never liked to drive fast. Well, here I am, man. I'm flying, right? Now, here's the thing. As a police officer, when you go into a call like that, you put your lights on, but you don't put your sirens on because you don't want to let the bad guy know that you're coming. But you put your lights on to get people out the way so you don't hit them. Well, because it was about three o'clock in the morning or whatever, there was nobody on this highway. So I was going about 100 miles an hour. That's how important it was. So I'm going about 100 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, out the corner of my eye, I see a car pulled over on the side with the hood up, and then I see a silver, it was one of those Mitsubishi, whatever they call them, it was exactly what they said. It looked like a van or a station wagon, and that, that car was parked directly in front of the car with the hood up. So when I saw it, now remember, I'm flying, I'm going about 100 miles an hour, so as I pass it up, I see it in my peripheral, then my natural instincts took over, right? So here's what I did. I made a mistake, actually, because what I did was I hit the brakes, but I also turned my steering wheel at the same time. So it made me do like a complete turnaround, man, like a donut in the middle of the highway right there. So here's what happened. Now, I made what could have been a fatal mistake because my car is facing them which means I can't see them because both of their headlights are shining in my eyes. The only good thing that probably saved me was that my headlights were shining in their eyes, so they couldn't see me. So I got out, got my gun out. I walk up, and there's an old man standing in front of his car, and there's his wife sitting inside the car in the passenger seat. And when I walk up, I got my gun out and I'm pointing it at the guy, which they think is a mechanic trying to help them out. And the, the old guy's like, what's going on, officer? What's going on? He's helping me out. My car's on fire. I'm like, sir. I'm thinking apparently he didn't read the newspaper. I'm like, sir, please get back in your car. And the whole time I got my gun pointing right at this dude right at him i go sir get back in your car please and so the guy was standing like in between both cars like in front of the car with the hood up but behind his car and behind the guy was woods and if he would have been a little bit smarter he would have taken off in those woods we would have caught him but he would have got away for a little while longer but he didn't he wasn't thinking like that he when he saw me i had my gun pointed right at his head 
And I was about maybe 20 feet from the dude. Well, as I'm talking to the older guy, the lady inside the car screaming. I could hear her screaming with her hands all up in the air. I'm like, sir, get back in your car. Please get back in your car. I'll explain what's going on. Please get back in your car. And the whole time, the dude's like inching his way towards me. And he's like, what's up, Cap? What's up, man? I ain't doing nothing, man. I'm hooking him up. The call's on fire. What's up? What's, what's going on, man? I told him, I go, man, stop, man. Don't don't come any further, man. Stop. He was like inching up slowly and surely, inching right at me, man. I'm like, dude, don't move, man. And and and, and here's the thing, like for all police officers, they, there's like a little six-foot radius. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't want you to be within three feet from them of any angle in front behind them on the side that's not your area don't don't do that man because we don't want you to try to get our guns from us and stuff so the guy's coming towards me and i could tell man he's not listening to me right so i'm telling him i go dude i promise you man if you don't stop i'm gonna shoot you in the face right here and when i said that man the guy freaked out the, the older white guy freaked out man he starts screaming he gets back in his car now both of these people are screaming in their car now i had tunnel vision right your adrenaline pumps so hard that you only see like what's directly in front of you even though in my peripheral i could see and hear these people screaming but i'm concentrating on this bad guy this guy was a cop killer man this guy killed a cop. He's, he's not going to be afraid to kill another cop. So I got my I got my gun on his face and he's coming towards me. And when I first signed up to be a cop, I was like every other cop out there. I was like, you know what? I hope I catch somebody come running out of a bank with a bag of money that has a dollar sign on it and says loot, just like in the cartoon. And they come running out the bank. because I will pop a cap in it. But I'm telling you. That's what we thought. You know, you just wanted to do your job, really, is what you were saying. Like, I just want to catch a bad guy, man, because I thought I would just shoot somebody, right? I had the opportunity, man. I could have shot this dude straight in the face. I didn't do it. The guy kept coming towards me, right? He's coming towards me, and I'm telling him, dude, stop, man. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. I'm going to shoot you in the face. And he took, he, he got to where he's about within like maybe five feet from me. So he took one more step. And at that point, I took one more step towards him. Then we were face to face and it was simultaneous. And I just popped him with my elbow. I just hit him with an elbow and dropped him. And then I realized, holy smokes, I should have been called for backup 10 minutes ago. I didn't call for backup. Every police officer from all over, man, we probably had 30 police cars driving all around where I was at with their lights on, but no sirens looking for this guy. And here I am. I got him. I got this guy. And I don't call for backup. I was so worried about this guy. I don't call for backup. Now, so I drop him, right? So he's on the ground. So I put my knee on him, right? And I still got my gun on him, though. I got my knee on him. I go, oh. I got a call for backup. So my number was 213. I said, 213 headquarters. I got him 10, 15, one time. Got him. I told him where I was at. When I did that, I'm telling you, man, it was like a movie. It was so quiet, right? So quiet. When I said I got him and I told him where I was at, every siren from every police car that I never even knew existed just all lit up. And I mean, we converged on this guy. And I'm telling you, it turns out, that the guy was high, we think, on PCP because he was a small guy. But let me tell you something. He resisted arrest, and that guy put up a fight, man. And I'm talking about he fought about 25 cops, for real 25 cops. I'm not exaggerating. And check this out. 
Turns out the guy had a machine gun in the back of his pants. At any time, he could have pulled that machine gun out and just tried to cap me. I mean, I would have shot him. I would have had no choice. I didn't want to. And I thank God this day that I didn't have to, because I'm just telling you that what I, I'm so glad that I don't have to have that on my conscience. So we arrest this guy. Right. So he's beat up from from fighting us. I mean, he was literally fighting us and he was calling us all kind of names. Going, That's all you got. That's all you got. We wasn't hurting him. I'm telling you, we wasn't hurting him. Well, there's a little saying within police officers, like, if you split them, you sit them, which means, you know, if you hurt them or they get hurt while they're in your custody, you're going to be the one to sit with them in, in, at the hospital. So I had to bring them to the hospital. So I sat up there with them and sure enough, somebody came to relieve me. And the next couple of days I go, you know what, man, he was in jail, he was in our jail, obviously. So I go, I'm going to go see this guy, man, because I really don't remember what he looked like. I was just so into that zone. I go, I want to see what this guy looks like. So... I go walking back through the jail and I see him. He's got all kind of pop knots on his head and it's everywhere. He's got bandages everywhere. And I go, Lord, have mercy. I go, what happened to you, man? And he didn't recognize me either. I, I go, what happened to you, man? He goes, I don't know, man. He goes, all I know is I messed up and I, I took a whooping, man. Well, check it out, y'all. Turns out that not only did this guy escape from prison from killing the cop, before I got to him, and I don't think it was the same. It wasn't the same day. It was a couple of days before we caught him. This guy pulled that scam on somebody. It was like an 80 something year old man. And he told the man, just like I told you, he said, look, your car's on fire. I just happen to have a universal part. I'm a mechanic. Here's the receipt. Look how much I paid for it. You pay me 20 bucks or whatever, and I'll put it back for you. The guy said, listen, I don't have the money on me, but you can follow me to my house and I'll pay you. So the guy follows the old guy to his house, goes into the house with the old guy, ties the old guy up with his own phone cord and beat that man to death. That's the guy I caught. I caught that dude, man. I was face to face with that dude. And I'm just going to tell you something, y'all. Look, cops are real people, man. Same emotions as you have when you're not a cop. I was scared to death, but I knew I had a job. Now, I knew I had to do whatever I had to do. That's why I thank God that I didn't have to shoot this knucklehead. And so I got I got a couple more stories I'm going to tell you, man. But that's that's about the end of this guy right here. Obviously, he went back. And the last I heard, he got the death penalty, obviously. And so probably he's not around anymore. He, he's certainly not out of jail if he if he's not wherever he wound up. Hopefully that knucklehead found Jesus, because I'm telling you, man, he didn't have him when he was alive. But just to this, I got another story for you. That's the cop killer I caught, right? My second best story, caught a rapist. Caught a rapist the same day that he raped a lady. In New Orleans, we got levees for the Mississippi River, right? This lady was jogging. So this guy tackles her. They roll down the, the levee, like, towards the river, and they're all up in the weeds or whatever, and he rapes her. So the call comes out. The rape just occurred. So the actual the actual sheriff of the department that I was working at right now, the sheriff right now was a sergeant at the time. And he's still there. He's a, he's a sheriff now. One of the best cops in America, I can guarantee you. So he was a sergeant, though, right? And I was working in narcotics. So, you know, we all have specialized divisions, but we're all cops and we all help each other. So when that call came out, I, I rode 
his name is Jimmy. I, I got in a call with Jimmy. He was a sergeant. I go, Jimmy, man, let's go catch this guy, dude. He goes, Mutsi, I'm not going home until we catch him. I go, good, man, let's go get him. And I already worked my whole shift in narcotics, right? So I go, come on, man, let's go get him. So we do good old-fashioned police work. We get in a police car, his car. We riding through the neighborhoods where it happened. And we just happen to roll up. And look, some of this stuff is just pure luck. We happen to roll up on some people walking in the middle of the street. And we know everybody, man. We were popular, man. We we were friends with all the guys, man. I mean, we knew them. When I say friends, I mean, we knew all the bad guys, right? They knew us. We knew them. We treated them cool, though, man. We didn't disrespect any of them. So we had relationships with those guys, right? So we walk and we roll up on these guys. We go, what's up, man? They go, what's up, y'all? One of the dudes walking with them goes, hey, man, it wasn't me. And we played stupid. It's like, wait, what you mean it wasn't you, dude? What are you talking about? He goes, it wasn't me, man. We go, wasn't you what? We knew he was looking for the rapist, right? He didn't know. He didn't know what we were looking for, but he got scared, man. So he goes, "Look, it wasn't me." He said it was my brother. I go, your brother? What? Well, we knew we had him right then and there. So we just jumped out the car, make sure he didn't run off, because he was going to tell us that story. He has a twin. He has a twin brother, and it was him. And he told us, "He goes, my brother raped that girl, raped that lady." I go, really? Okay, man. We'll jump in the back of the car, man. We didn't handcuff him. Just put him back in the car. We go, look, where's your brother right now? He goes, I don't know, man. I'm serious. I go, uh, where's he at, man? He goes, I'm telling you, man, I don't know. He goes, the last I heard, he went to the projects. We knew if we went to the projects, we probably weren't going to get him. Not that night. So we went, I, we, we, go, we asked him where they live. Like, where you staying, man? He goes, we stay with my grandma. And both of y'all, yep. Okay, we, where's your grandma? So we went to the grandma's house, knocked on the door. She was very kind, very polite. Yes, sir. Can I help y'all? Yes, ma'am. There's such and such here. She goes, no, he's not. I go, where's he at, ma'am? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Is it okay if we look for him? Yeah, come on in. Yeah, look anywhere y'all want. We looked that whole house, including the attic, everything. He wasn't in there. So me and Jimmy said, you know what? We're not going home until we find this dude, man, because here's what happens. Most of the time, and they were fairly young. These dudes were fairly young, like maybe 18 at the time or whatever. We go, most of the time, man, these guys come back. They go run for a little while, but they got nowhere else to go, man, so they come back. So we go, we're going to sit out all night and wait for them to come back. And we just camped out. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And there was only one way in. We thought only one way in for this knucklehead to get back to his grandma's house, right? We wait. Well, this dude don't come. He doesn't come back, and the sun's coming up. We, and so we go, look, man, let's just go home and get some rest. We'll catch him. We know who he is now. We'll, we'll, we'll catch him. It's not a matter of that now. It's just a matter of finding him. So we said, all right. Jimmy goes, I tell you what, man, let's just, let's just for the heck of it, man, let's just go check. Let's go check by his grandma's house one more time. So we go back to the grandma's house. We go, how you doing, ma'am? Sorry to wake you up. She goes, no problem. He's in the back sleeping. It's like, whoa, we, we, we got so lucky. We got him, right? So we got him, and and I, I drove back. We we had two other cars show up. Uh, I I drove back. Jimmy got with somebody else. I had to do to my car, right? So he goes, take him back to the station. So I'm driving him back to the station. So check this out. I got a confession from the dude while we were driving. I got him to admit to it. I told him, I go, dude, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I go, let me tell you something. You know, I, and he's, he said he was never in jail before. I go, dude, I'm telling you, man, I worked in Orleans Parish Prison for a year. And I'm telling you what happens to people who get, they get caught, that have raped somebody, man. They, they're going to beat you up every single day, man. And I, I exaggerated it. 
I said, man, the, the, the guards are going to get you, man. The, uh, your cellmate's going to get you. He goes, you serious? I go, yes. I go, I'll tell you what, though. Here's what I'll do, man. If you tell me the truth, I go, now, don't you tell me you did it if you didn't do it. But if you did it, I will make you a promise. I'll make you a promise that no guard puts their hands on you. And I'll make sure that those guards make sure that no inmates puts their hands on you. Well, he said, all right, I did it. I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah, I did it. I go, why'd you do that, man? He goes, I'm going to be honest, man. He goes, I don't know. He goes, it's the crack, man. I'm on the crack. And I saw her, man. I just I just grabbed her. So I'm driving back. So I told, I, I called the detectives and said, look, I got a confession from this guy. They go, Mutsi, before you bring him to the station, we need you to bring him to the hospital. Because the girl, the rape victim, was at the hospital. So we had to identify him. We had for her to identify him. So I, I, I think I misjudged the time because it was dark when I got to the hospital. It wasn't daylight yet because I remember it was dark when I got to the hospital. So I pull up at the emergency room door. There's about eight police cars in the emergency lane. They're all in there with this girl, right? Detectives, patrol units, everybody. So I pull up. They go, Mutsi, just, just, just pull up right there, man. Just stop right there. So they all put their lights on us so that. We couldn't see them, but they, the girl could see the guy to identify him. And I'm telling you something. When she said that's him, they all turned their lights off at the same time. Once she identified that it was him, well, guess what? Guess who else was there? Her husband. His wife had just got raped, and I got the guy in my car. I'm just going to tell you something. I have never in my life ever seen anybody this mad and neither have you you can only you can imagine how mad this guy was and i'm telling you however many cops were in that emergency room that's exactly how many it took to hold that guy back from getting to me in my car with my inmate i'm telling you man that guy has some superhuman strength buddy and they held him back and i drove off and we got him and that kid got 20 years for that. I do know that he got 20 years for that. And so that's the second best story that I got. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, I, we all hear about it now that, you know, cops, man, cops have a bad reputation. They, you know, the, the public wants you to think that the media wants you to think that cops are bad. Look, I did it for 10 years. And I'm telling you, man, I never even... I, not only did I not see, but I never even heard of a bad police story when I was a cop. We were all 100 percent honest. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm not exaggerating. That's the thing, you know, like a, a, like a bad cop. If a bad cop was to go work for an, a, a police department, the first time that any cop realizes that you're a bad cop, you're fired, man. Cops, good cops don't want to work with bad cops. They, they don't want that. That's 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 the opposite of what good cops want. So they get found out. Don't think that, you know, police departments are hiring these guys knowing that they're out there violating people's rights. That's not how it goes down. It's not. I'll tell you this, you know, when I went to narcotics, man, I had one of the best bosses and one of the best cops in America as well, man. I'll just tell you this. They call him the hawk. And I'll tell you this, man, they call him the hawk because that dude can find you no matter where you at, man. We used to we used to try to get away. We used to play games. He, he would give us like a five or a 10 minute head start. We'd drive off and he would come find us. He would. He, I don't, we still don't know how he did it, but he would come find us. But anyway, when he hired me into narcotics, this is what the guy did. 
He tells me, he goes, Mooks, he goes, you want to work in our Cox? I said, yes, sir. He goes, okay, man, I believe you can do it. Is I'm going to tell you two things, though, man. If I catch you stealing or if I catch you dealing, I'm going to put you in jail for as long as the judge will let me put you in jail for. You cool with that? I go, yes, sir. He goes, go get them. And I'm telling you, man, that's the kind, that's how it is. That's exactly how it is. And look, let me tell you this. When you work in narcotics, you get information, right? You get information from anonymous sources called confidential informants. They could call on the phone. They could come to the police station or whatever. They let you know, right? And most of the time, it's it's bad guys ratting on other bad guys you know what i mean like you go buy some weed and you feel like the dude rip you off so now you're gonna call and rat him out but we're gonna use you to get to him and so we would that's what we do we'd get information and so we you know we'd know where you live because that confidential informant has been in your house we know where you live we know what, what we know the layout of your house we make them draw a diagram of the rooms where's everything out where's to keep the drugs where's to keep the money does he have any weapons does he have any put pit bulls or whatever what does he got we know everything about you before we even go in your house man and the thing is you know when the judge gives you a search warrant once you set up surveillance and you got enough information to 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 provide logical you know it's logical that they're selling you know drugs in this house or whatever the, the judge is going to give you a warrant so you got like 10 days at least back then you had 10 days to serve that warrant and look you don't have to be home for the cops to kick down your door there was times we kicked down doors and there was nobody in there man we'd take their drugs their their money their weapons and we'd leave them a note on the table the kitchen table hey man we got your drugs and your money and your guns if you want them come down to the police department man you pick them up the P.S. your pit bull's really nice, man. We brought him some bacon, man. He loves bacon. <laughs> I'm telling you. And so here's how it goes out. Well, look, I'm telling you about honest police officers. The way that we did it was we'd have two guys assigned to each room every time we did a search warrant. We'd go in. We'd know where most of the stuff is, but you always find other stuff. We had a diagram of this house, man. This guy had pit bulls. He had machine guns. He had, we, they told us he had pounds of marijuana and stuff. So we go in, we're looking for all this, right? Well, we didn't really find anything when we get in there. We thought. So me and my partner, we got assigned to a bedroom. Now, the CI never told us. He didn't know anything about this bedroom. And so we wasn't, we didn't know what to expect in there or whatever, but we couldn't find anything. We found like a couple roaches or whatever, you know what I mean? A couple like paraphernalia, stuff like that. So we looking. And and we searched his whole bedroom, and my my partner is going through the guy's closet, and we really can't find anything in his closet until he pulls out a shoebox, and in this shoebox he opens it up and he goes, "Oh my!" In that shoebox was cash, stacked up, lined up. I'm telling you, man, it was like I forgot. I really did forget. It was like twenty or thirty something thousand dollars. I believe it was a lot, a lot of money. And I'm telling you, not one time because me and him talked about it afterwards. Not even one second did we think of even taking a ten dollar bill out of that shoebox. That's not why we did that work. That would be the complete opposite of why we were doing that kind of work. We didn't even think of it. It didn't even cross our minds because, you know, people joke and go, yeah, man, you know, I, I got that $40,000 and, you know, I turned that $30,000 into the judge. And by the time we got the conviction, you know, that 20000 was almost gone. And then by the time we locked up that $10,000 in evidence, you know, that whole $5,000 just as a joke, people do that. But there's a reason why people laugh at that joke, because people assume that that's what the cops do. And that's not, man. I'm telling you, that's not. You know, the hawk told us, he said, look, man, you know, I can show up at any time on any search warrant and I can make you strip down, brother. 
I can make you show rabbit ears, man. What you got in your pockets, man? Let's go. I could strip you naked. And the reason why he could do that is because he wants to make sure that we find $50,000 in there. We're not walking out with $1,000 in our pocket. That's not what he wanted. That's not what we wanted. But we always knew that that could happen. But it never happened because we never had an incident like that. Not that I know of. I mean, I'm, I'm saying we never. It, I don't think he ever stripped anybody down because we always had good guys, man. We had a great department and good guys. So I'm just telling the truth about that right there. And um, I, I told you earlier that I worked in a prison. I want to let you know before I finish here, I want to let you know something. This is going to help you out. And I do appreciate you listening. If you're listening this long, if you're at this point right here, man, I appreciate you listening. And I hope that you subscribe. If, you, if you'll subscribe, whatever platform you're listening, like on Google Play, um, iTunes or Spotify, wh whatever you're listening on right now, just click subscribe. And then each time that I have a podcast like this, it'll just notify you that I have a new one. And I, I do appreciate it. Um, so this is like a new thing that I'm doing. I'm not going to do any edits. This is all one cut right here. I haven't edited anything and I'm not, I'm going to mispronounce words. I'm going to stutter. I, you know, I'm gonna have to correct myself if I get something wrong, but I'm just telling you exactly how I remember it. And so, but I want to tell you this because I worked in Orleans Parish prison for a year and they have 4,000 inmates there. Right? So I've always been a very curious guy. I've always been interested in people's minds, how people think, why they think, and, and what they think. So I would talk to these inmates in my whole 12-hour shifts. I mean, in fact, you pretty much have to because the way that we did it was there, there was um, uh, like a clear plexiglass, like booth, like a little booth inside of a building. And inside that little area, they called a pod, a P-O-D. Inside that pod was 90 inmates, and we would only have two guards responsible for those 90 inmates. And I'm just telling you, man, you know, I'm just being honest with you. Uh, there was a lot of times when I went to work, and the only white guy I ever saw was when I looked in the mirror. I'm cool with everybody, man. You know, I joke when I go on stage about, you know, about uh being, you know, on six seasons of BET's Comic View. I mean, that's true. That part is true. I was on six seasons of BET's Comic View, but I do my opening joke about that, about being the only white guy, you know, you know, like a white guy being on there because I wasn't the only white guy. But my point is, I am proud of that. I'm very proud that they chose me to be. They didn't have to select me to do that. But I think I think part of the reason why they saw that I could do it is because, you know, I, I, wa I was always around, you know, black people like that, man. I'm cool with anybody, man. I, and I hope you are, too. I really do. I learned a lot of stuff, man. And so this is what I'm passing on to you because I talk to burglars. I talk to rapists. I talk to, you know, um, armed robbers. And, and I talk to all of them. And I'm telling you, you know, I learned some stuff. I'll give you an example. Like, okay, burglars like that are going to come and, and rob your house, right? First of all, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that's going to happen because the number one thing that they don't want is f they don't want you to be home. They don't want you to be there. They don't want you. They want your stuff. They want you to be at work. Most robberies, most break-ins happen during the daytime while you're at work. And then here's the other thing that they don't want. They don't want you to have an alarm system on your house, but they will even take it a step further and say, we don't even test to see if it's real. If we just see one of those yard signs that says that they have an alarm, we don't really check to see if they have one. We just go to the next house. So if you don't have an alarm system on your house, go get you one of those yard signs that says that you do, and that will protect you. Here's another thing that they don't want. 
they don't want you to have a dog. And I'm not talking about they don't want you to have a big dog because they're afraid about getting bit. No, they just don't want a dog barking. Because, look, most of us, if not all of us, have a dog. And we know our dogs bark. They have different barks. My, my little puppy's only like a year old, but I already know his barks. Like, I could tell you when he's out of water by the way he's barking. I could tell. And I'm 100% right every time. And so here's the thing. We know when our dogs are hungry, when they're thirsty, when they're scared, or when somebody's outside. They're all different barks, but we learn them. And guess who else knows them? Your neighbors. Your neighbors get used to it too. So that's what they don't want. They don't want you to have a dog because of the bark. They show up and that dog starts barking. Your neighbors, if they're home, will hear it and call the police. So they don't want you to have a dog. So if you don't have a dog, go get you, man. Go get you one. What's wrong with you if you don't have a dog? Everybody's got a dog. Go get a dog. Get one. Go find one of them homeless dogs at the shelters, man. Them dudes are so loyal to you, man. Woo! I'm telling you. So check. that's what they don't want, right? Here's what they do want. They do want you to have a six-foot wooden privacy fence. And they want you to have that fence because they know once they jump that fence, your neighbors don't see them in your backyard. Now they have access to all your windows and doors in your backyard, and nobody can see them back there. They love it when your backyard backs up to a wooded area because they're going to jump your fence. They're going to go in your house, get your stuff, jump back over that fence, go through the woods, and pop out on the other side. So I'm just telling you, if you got a privacy fence, I'm not telling you to take it down, but I'm just telling you, man, that's what they look for. And here's a very surprising thing that you, it, you'll understand when I tell you why, but you won't necessarily think of it originally. Here's the, they said one of the favorite things that they like. They like to rob houses when it rains. And here's the reason why. It's raining. They jump over your fence. Nobody could see them. And it's raining nobody could hear because the rain's hitting your house so when they break your back glass window or whatever your door your neighbors don't really hear it so they get in and get your stuff so they don't want you to have a dog they don't want you to have an alarm they want you to have a high fence and they hope it backs up to some wooded area and they hope that it rains but again don't be nervous because they don't want you to be there if they know your home they're not coming they're not coming i promise you so don't don't live your life afraid I'm going to tell you one more. This is actually a really, a really funny thing that happened. And, and, and then we're going to wrap this one up. But once again, thanks for listening. And, and please subscribe. All right. So here's the thing. Check it out. I'm driving one day after I was a cop. All right. After I left the department, I was not a police officer. I'm driving in my own car. I'm going home. And this was early in the morning. I'm talking about like six in the morning. The sun was coming up. And I was on this highway at a red light. This car pulls up to me on, on at the red light. And me and him is the only two cars on this whole highway all, coming from all directions. Just me and him. So I glance over and I see the dudes looking at me. So he goes, put your window down. So I put my window down and uh, and, 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 it, and it, it was a black dude. And he goes, hey, man. He goes, you mutsy? I go, yeah, man. And then I, I, I had already been on Comic View, you know what I'm saying? So I thought maybe he recognized me from TV or something. So I go, yeah, man. He goes, I'm Jerome. And he says, last name. I don't want to put his last name out there. He goes, but I'm Jerome, blah, blah, blah. And when he said that, I was like, oh, here we go, man. This is a dude. He was one of the biggest drug dealers in our parish. And we popped him, man. We got him. We got him. And he went to prison for a long time. I'm thinking that he got 15 to 20 years. 
he he was uh, he was locked up for a long time. So now my first thought, because he wasn't smiling when he said that, my first thought is, oh Lord have mercy, this guy's gonna kill me, man. And I'm looking. That's how I know nobody was around because there was nobody around. I had no weapons. I had no police radio to call for backup. None of that. I wasn't a cop anymore, man. And here's a guy that I sent to prison, and this dude's gonna kill me. He goes, man. He goes, I just want to tell you something. Now remember, he he wasn't smiling when he said this. He goes, I just want to tell you something, man. He goes, I'm not mad at you. And I felt so much better when he said that at first, right? He goes, I'm not mad at you, man. He goes, look, dude, I was doing some bad stuff, man. I I was doing wrong, and you caught me. You got me legitimately, man. You you caught me. And he goes, you know what? You guys treated me with respect, man. You guys treated me like a man. Y'all didn't. Y'all y'all treated me straight up, man. And he goes, I learned my lesson. He goes, I just want you to know, man, I learned my lesson. And, man, I felt so much better when the guy told me that. Because uh, I'm, I'm serious, man. I, if I'd had to fight the dude, he would have killed me. This guy was so much younger than me. So he tells me that, right? Now, we had talked, like, for, like, two cycles of the of the uh, traffic light turning red to yellow to green or whatever because there was nobody else around. And so the last thing that happened was, you know, we, the, the light is red or whatever. And, um... The light turns green, so I'm thinking, you know what? It's, you know, we wasn't chatting, chatting, you know what I mean? Because it's all happened so fast. And he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, one more thing, Mutsy. He goes, I just want to tell you something, man. He goes, I saw you on BET's Comic View when I was in prison, man. You a funny dude. <laughs> I was like, Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't know what to tell him at that point. I was like, hey, you know what, man? Hey, draw, man, thank you for not killing me, man. <laughs> But that's the end, man. That's the end of that story. That's the end of this podcast. I want to thank you for listening. I'm probably going to have another one on Monday, and I hope you listen, man. Go ahead and subscribe right now. Share it with your friends. Tell them, man, those are all real stories. I didn't make up any of that stuff right there, y'all. I, I, I told everything up the truth. I promise you everything's the truth. I got witnesses I can verify. And look, if I can find those pictures of me dressed up as a woman to try to catch a cop killer, I promise I'll post them. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.